you know, the early days were full of all kinds of crazy mistakes like that, you know, because we didn't know what we were doing. We got, you know, backed into a million dollar fine uh, that was coming in from the state. I'm walking in, I'm seeing there's some buzzing around. There's a, you know, a couple people work on some projects and, and I do remember it was active in there. And I go and I'm like, I, I think I'm at the right place. And the first thing Chris says to me, he's like, you know, this interview is casual, right? And I was like, nope. And then I said, one of the biggest lies I've ever said in my entire life. And I said, yo, 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 welcome to another episode of the Founder Podcast. Today, we are listening to the people. We got a lot of good feedback. So we just had an episode release with Mr. Daryl Kelly. We told a little bit of his story. And uh, a lot of people were hoping and, and praying that we could tell a little bit more of the Soldier story in regards to Daryl. And so we've also brought on a nice little special guest, Mr. Levi. Levi Hello, friends. Rigo. Hello. Finally. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Super excited to have Levi on the show. So Levi was employee number eight at Soldier And uh, in the office, well, employee number three, three, I think. Yeah. Okay. Employee number three came on February January of 2018, towards the end of January. Oh, yeah. my goodness. So, almost six years. January 2018. So for context, we launched, well, we technically fired our paperwork October 2017. We started marketing November of 2017. Did our first install, I think, December 5th or December 6th of 2017. So about a month later, Levi was coming coming on board. And so... Um, some of my my favorite memories. So, you know, one of, one of the things we're going to do today is we're going to share just kind of some of the nostalgic, some of the pains, the different uh, stories that we went through. Um, but, you know, let's let's talk Levi's hiring real quick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, so Levi, Levi responds to what, what kind of ad was it? So at, at that time, I was selling cars at uh, a, a used car dealership mm. and I was high quality. I, it was low, the lowest of low qualities of used. I mean, car we talk, we talking like a used car dealership, like two to five thousand dollar type used car. Like they're, they're like, hey, we'll almost do in house financing. Yeah, 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 almost lemons. If you know anything about used cars, you know that no bueno there. A lot of sh you know shady stuff here and there. But uh, I was just miserable. I, I just gotten out of like a, a failed sales venture. I was down. I was living in my car for like six months at that time trying to figure out what the heck I'm going to do with my life. So I, I stumbled upon a used car dealership and I worked there for a few months and I, was, I hated it. And so I was so desperate to get out that I was just on Craigslist because I couldn't find anything else here. I just recently moved to the Tri-Cities area. I popped onto Craigslist and I saw an ad. It said, startup company need help now. Call me. And that was pretty much the whole ad. And mm, it was just Chris. Solid, number. solid. I'm pretty sure though, this is like everyone's story. Like I was in a job I absolutely hated. I was desperate and I applied for your guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Otherwise there is no way I was showing up to that place. Yeah. You know, you, I, I, it's the same way I found my wife is I found her at her lowest point in time and, yeah. and I'm, I married up. So, I mean, smart. I guess it works. Smart. So smart. yeah, I, I, I called the number ended up being Chris's number and he's like, yeah, come out to our office. And I was like, all right, yeah, I'm doing it. Let's go. I'm not from the area of Tri-Cities. I'd only lived in the area for a few months at this point. And I'm a city boy at heart. I love cities, downtown. I grew up in downtown or suburbs of downtown for most of my life. He always likes to he always likes to say that he's like from the ghetto of St. Louis. St. Louis 314 represent. 
if you know, you know. But uh, we drove out. I'm going out to what was, I thought, an office into <laughs> deep Pasco, which is just countryside, deep. farm life, not for me. I'm like, what the heck? I'm running out of signal. I pull up to this house, and I distinctly remember calling the number. I was like, hey, I'm sorry. I'm going to be late. I am showed up at some person's house. I don't think I'm at the right place. I just want to give you a heads up. I'm going to be late. You're like, well, is there a shop and a house out here? And I was like, yeah. He's like, you're at the right place. And he made me found, sound stupid <laughs> that I was at the wrong place. He like gaslit me into coming inside of this shop. So I go inside the shop and um, Chris can share his perspective, what he saw. Oh, baby. Showed up. So we're sitting in that 400 square feet. Mind you, we're not, you know, we got a wall AC heating unit. <laughs> all right. So this is like middle of the winter. So it's probably keeping us up at like a high 62, you know, everybody's got their coats on, we're chilling and, you know, uh, probably, probably some relaxed Lulu gear or something. <laughs> and in walks my guy with the three piece suit, Whoa, three piece suit, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know if I've ever worn a three piece suit, except for to like prom, but uh, I was desperate, you know, <laughs> I needed something bad. Uh, so he comes in and like, uh, I'm pretty sure initially I started making fun of him. Yeah, no, the first thing I heard, so I walk in, I see I see this garage. It's, I mean, Chris described it perfectly. I mean, you're talking about concrete floors. There's like three half-made cubicles. There's one desk, and then you have Chris's desk in the corner that took up like a fourth of the room. Big executive desk. Big desk. And <laughs> but so so let's 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 back up. The reason I had a big executive desk is this thing had been sitting in storage since the days <laughs> of Five Diamond, right? So failed business. The one thing that we did scrap up from that thing was a few pieces of furniture. <laughs> and that's what we had sitting in that room. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm walking in. I'm seeing there's some buzzing around. There's a you know a couple people working on some projects, and and I do remember it was active in there. And I go and I'm like, I, I think I'm at the right place. And the first thing Chris says to me is like, you know, this interview is casual, right? And I was like, nope. And then I said one of the biggest lies I've ever said in my entire life, and I said. Don't worry, I like wearing suits. It's not that big of a deal. And that could not be farther from the truth. That could not, but I needed the job bad. I hated my life at the time. Oh, uh, so we do the interview. I like Levi. You know, he seems like a go-getter, seems hungry, and, and we call him up and we offer him a fat 13 bucks an hour. Actually, I, I give it off to Crane. I give it off to Hayden Crane. I'm like, hey, dude, make an offer to this guy. I think he's I think he's worth it. Let's go with 13. So minimum uh, wage, I think, is 1250. No, it, you offered me 12. Mm. And I remember because nah. the, the only reason I remember was because I, I left the interview. The interview was a working interview, wasn't ready for that. I remember Crane sat me down and made a proposal. Like he made me make a proposal for solar design at the time. And then I leave and I was like, okay, that interview went great. Like seems dope. And Chris had called me while I was driving and you're like, Hey, we like you. I think we're ready to move fast. And I was like, well, I got a couple other job interviews lined up. I think Liar. I'm going to go to that point. I did had uh, two McDonald's and yeah, what? pretty much. It was like a, it was a, uh, <laughs> for a secondhand store, for like a management position mm. there and like uh, some other like, it was like a retail marshals or something. And I was like, Hey, I'm going to go to these interviews. And Chris did the pull away. And he was like, well, you know, I'm going out of town. I think you're going to Sri Lanka. I was getting ready to go to Sri something, Lanka. Yeah. Like soon. Like, Hey, we're looking to make a decision fast. So if you're not ready, no worries, we'll move on. I was like, all right, well, I'll tell you by the end of the day today. And then you text me or crane texted me. 
like, hey, we're going to offer you 12 bucks an hour. I was like, I'll take 15. And you're like, we could do 13. And I was like, done. Like, I felt like I had won then and for whatever reason. <laughs> Got that extra dollar, dude. Yeah. But what was even funnier that Crane uh, makes fun of me to this day was he always says that I was really sus once you guys hired me because he was like, all right, cool. You, get, you can start tomorrow. But I was like, well, I still want to go to these interviews. So I had said something to the extent of like, oh, well, tomorrow, like I, I got to go to the bank and move some money around or something, some sort of like stupid excuse. I was lying at that time. And because I wanted to go to these interviews because I, one of them had offered potentially $15. And I was like, oh, it's a couple more bucks. And uh, so I was like, yeah, I'll come in fresh, I think Thursday or whatever. I'll just come start fresh Thursday. And I'm going to those interviews, didn't like them. So I came in the Thursday, but Crane, I think might still have the text to this day. I was like, dude, you were so weird. Like when we hired you, dude, like <laughs> why, what was even worth it? But yeah, uh, it's crazy. By the way, Levi ended up being one of the best hires that we ever had. Just a, just a grinder. Uh, the thing I've always appreciated about Levi is he bought into the culture. He was a purveyor of the culture, you know, and, and so really, uh, from a culture standpoint was always my right hand man in, in the business, whether it was running podcasts. So it's actually fun to be on a podcast again. <laughs> yeah. uh, me and Levi for years ran the the sales and marketing podcast for the company, the internal podcast where we highlight and recognize different people. And so uh, we've definitely got uh, comfortable on, on the set over the years. And, and Levi fun. held a bunch of different positions. We'll go into that in a little bit, but so telling, uh, going back, a lot of people have, have asked, hey, can we get a little bit more of the backstory and, and kind of the, the building of Solgen from uh, your and Daryl's point of view? And so jumping into that, you know, the, you, you really can't tell the story of Solgen without telling the story of Solgen Renewables. And Solgen Renewables was what we kindly referred to as the magic, magic generator, generator. Mm, the and, magic. and tell me about the magic generator because it's a it's a crazy uh, story the magic generator i mean that was at times so we were doing solar with legacy and then um yeah cole cole farmer we were working with him he he brought it up and we were looking into it and it just like was checking so many boxes that like this thing was magical i mean you're talking about you were the use cases for it was was for countries to help like solidify their electrical grid for large businesses to to use renewable energy that was and let me give you let me give you a like a like a physical description of this thing we're talking about like an eight foot by eight foot box right and inside this box are these neodymium batteries and it's what the the motors. six they're motors right but or sorry batteries i meant i meant motors but uh the they're, they're neodymium magnets. And so these magnets are the rare earth uh, on the, uh, what's it called, the scale, like the hydrogen, what, what is that name of that thing? Periodic table. Period. Yes, thank you. Periodic table. It's like number 60 on the periodic table. That's right. NBC. So Neo60 is one of the websites that we bought. Yeah. Uh, and Neo60.com. So neodymium is like rare earth magnets, super strong. You made some people utilize it for like fridge magnets tiny little fridge magnets that are like super strong anyways they are powerful and what it was is a motor created out of these magnets and it was essentially got started by a solar panel had like three solar panels inputting into it and got the engine running and then it created 
essentially perpetual energy. And so for everyone, obviously, we've been taught since we were little, there's no such thing as perpetual energy, right? You can't create energy out of thin air. And so where Nikola Tesla is said to have claimed or uh, claimed to have created free energy and, and other things, people have been pursuing this for a long time. So there's this model down in Southern California, and it's a functioning it's a functioning prototype. We go in, we take a look at it. We bring in engineers. Everybody's saying, man, this checks out. You know, got people flying in from all over the world. Like, dude, this thing's sweet. The guy that supposedly invented it is like, yeah, we're going to, you know, we can, uh, we got a hundred being manufactured right now out in South Carolina. There's always a story, right? There was always a story. We got some in South Carolina. We got some in Asia. They're being manufactured. All you guys have to do is line up some sales and line up some financing. And we're like, done. So we go in, we knew negotiate an exclusive deal where we can go and build a sales force. Right. And so this all happens. It's about August, September of 2016. We start, poking around with this thing, taking a look at it, having a few people come in. And at this point, when I was working for Legacy, I was ready to make a move. I had I'd worked my four and a half years working for the man and kind of learning everything I did. So I was like, you know what? This seems like a good thing to jump. So I was the first one to jump. Daryl and, and uh, Cole kind of hung back and, and and kept their jobs. But I was like, man, I'm, I'm going all in on this. And so it was, uh, but, but yeah, like the level of networking that this thing provided, uh, and to like Daryl's point, it like solved the grid scale problem. Like the whole issue with solar is if I want to go and build or create a bunch of power, I need space, right? Like one box, this magic generator generator could supposedly produce as much energy as five acres of solar. Right. And so like five acres versus eight feet by be, be between, you know, eight or was that 64 square feet? Completely different. Yeah. And so all of a sudden it was solving problems for like skyscrapers, hotels, inner dense cities, pro providing off the grid solutions for that could run around the clock. It wasn't dependent on the sun. Right. Like we saw this thing as like. Oh, it would solve so many problems. And what, one thing, so when you th when you talk about these neodymium magnets, I remember um, Paul one time, he's the, he was the inventor, and he came in with these two, so he had two of them. They're like about the size of an of a iPhone, and they had these um, these boards in between to keep them separate. And he's sitting there talking to us, and while he's talking to us, he's kind of like playing with them or just like holding his hand. And like one of the uh, boards like snaps out, and it smashes his finger. In between the magnets. And he, I mean, his finger popped out of it. Like it didn't like get stuck inside there. But the guy just flipped out. So here we are. We have these people from Africa visiting. <laughs> and we're like sitting down and he's talking about these ma these, ma you know, these magnets, the motor, how it all works. And he's like pinches his thumb and then he's gone. And we're sitting here like, okay. now Like what? he leaves? Like the he's gone. Yeah. He <laughs> just starts cussing, <laughs> walks out the room. And we're like, uh, okay. He comes back, you know, probably 15 minutes later, but it was just the weirdest thing because like, we didn't know what we were doing. Like we knew the solution and the solution was needed, is needed everywhere uh, when it comes to this, the energy crisis and, and what, you know, a lot of companies and countries are facing. We learned a few crazy lessons though, during like one energy is controlled by the mafia, right? Throughout <laughs> the world. Like just, I mean, there are people ready to murder 
uh, when, when it comes to like screwing with energy. So like we had to tread lightly anytime that we started approaching new governments or whatnot, because if you were taking over the grid or some other potential energy source, right? Like, I mean, we're talking about competing with oil and we're talking about competing with the grid system. We're talking, you know, and these are the most powerful human beings on the planet own the energy sources. And so, you know, we quickly learned like one, everybody's got to have their hand in it. And it's like, okay, what's legal? What's not legal? Who can I give kickbacks to? Who can I not give kickbacks to? What point, what's, what's legal in this country? What's illegal in the United States? Like, like, I mean, dude, there was just all kinds of crazy things. And, you know, so, so we're doing this. And then it, because we believed in this product so much, like we were hook, line and sinker. on We were going to solve the world's problems. We were going to solve the world's problems. We believe so much in it. Like, I have never been able to network faster, recruit faster, or sell faster in my life, right? And and the the thing that I realized that like the biggest lesson I took from this whole thing was that wasn't dependent on a product. It was dependent on me, right? The fact that I was that convinced, I was that sold, I could do that with any product or service. And that's really what set us up for the success with SoulGen. And it's just like we had this fantasy product, but we believed in it so much, right? We recruited, it was like we had a sales force within six months of like 150 contractors. We had done over, uh, it was like $2 billion in contracts, signed, finance ready. We had met with prime ministers. We had we had deals that were going to go in like Buckingham Palace. We were going to be covering all the Safeways and Albertsons through, uh, throughout the world. Like, dude, it was one of the wildest. Like, we had a big contract with Panama. What, dude, what was like the craziest thing from, from that? So there's a couple. One, I remember like having this meeting in Tijuana. And I'm like down there. Like, we go to this building and I walk in and it's just like lined with all these people. And I'm like, okay, who are all these people? And I was like, well... He knows this guy and that's his sister and then that's their brother and then that's their cousin. And then, the, and it was like a line of people who all wanted a piece of the pie in order for us to like get this contract. And we had to get <laughs> this contract in order for us to like be able to sell this product, right? You had to have like the, the license or whatnot to, anyways, I didn't know the, the inner workings other than I knew everyone there was there to get lined, like get something out of the deal, get paid to just get the contract. So it wasn't even like, to close the deal it was like you have to pay all these people and then we'll we'll set you up with the person who can give you the contract i'm like yeesh and then the other one was uh was uh so i was over on the east coast and we met with the uh prime minister of the drc so congo in africa the democratic republic yeah that one was interesting because uh so first we met in this like hotel room it was a oval office though inside of it and um you had news crews in there recording this it was in french you had, um, you know, the prime minister, you had his son, who was an awesome guy. Um, we talked to him quite a bit. You had his lawyers, and uh, they're sitting down talking to us about this project that we were going to put together for them. And I think what was crazy about that was not even that meeting, but what I observed after the meeting. And uh, anyways, that was interesting. So so basically what happened was our introduction to to um, to the prime minister, so he had done a lot of work in the country and um, in the cell phone industry yeah and so he was he was there i mean he's done some other other ventures there and the government had some money to 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 pay him or that they owed him and so 
once we were done with our meeting, we were all asked to leave. So we got up, we leave, and then he stays behind. He talks to the prime minister, and we're like, so what uh, would you talk about? Like, what's going on? <laughs> He's like, oh, it's just, a, it's you know, they owe me some money, and, you know, I was I was um, trying to figure out how to how to get paid. I'm like, okay, well, did you figure it out and stuff? He's like, yeah. Wasn't it like, it was like $15 million. No, it was, um, I remember it being like, I want to say it was 45 is what comes to my mind. Okay. It, yeah, was, yeah. it was a big deal. 45 million. I think 15 was the kickback. Yeah. 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 That's right. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was like 30%. So, so basically what it was, was like, he's trying to get this money. He's like, okay, I can get you paid, but I get, you know, I keep 15 million. Isn't that crazy? Like literally this prime minister of a country says, Hey, I'll pay you the 45 million, but in turn, you got to mine my personal pockets with 15 but million. What, but that's what we were finding out all across the board. It was like <laughs> anywhere you go, it was like, it was like, if you want this, I get this. Oh. And it was like, you're just doing like, you had to do like everyone had these deals that were like structured and it was, it's not, I mean, first off, it's like illegal to, to do business like that in the United States, but like everywhere in the world, that's how they do it. Right. Was there ever, I mean, you guys are going through all these meetings with, you know, like you're saying, some of the most powerful people in the world, politicians, yep. like just public figures, whatever it is. Was there ever a time or like a meeting that you guys were like, where we might be biting off more than we can chew? Like, this is kind of scary or kind of sketchy or anything like that? You know, dude, we were we were so like just running by the seat of our pants, but we had so much confidence what we were doing. It's just like, you know what? Even if 10% of what we're doing goes through, yeah. like we're, we're going to be chilling. Um, but as far, there, I think there was a few times that we were scared. Like um, we might be getting into some circles that, you know, like, and so like we would, we would have this conversation, me, Daryl and Cole is just like, bro, like, are we sure we want to do business with this type of person or whatever? And so like, there was a few deals that we, we walked away from because we thought we might get murdered. Right. Like if, if, uh, if that, if that type of thing uh, took place and, you know, there, there was just like, there's so many fun experiences. Like, um, I, I can't remember if I've shared this on the pod before or not, but, uh, during that time, it was like beginning of December, 2016, I flew down to Florida for the world boxing council convention, uh, the WBC, it's like the, the largest, uh, league for boxing and boxing is one of world's last global sports you got like soccer you got boxing i think like ping pong or something right and i think tennis uh but but yeah so i go to this world boxing convention and it's literally just the best boxers in the world and the whole reason i went to this thing is the president of the WBC is super connected. He knows like out of 185 countries in the world, he knows like 160 of the, the Kings, prime ministers, presidents. And so just because he was a, a sports icon, sports figure, and they do deals with him, And so I'm like, dude, this guy can get us in. in uh, and so I go to this thing. I meet this guy, hang out with him, do do a couple meals with him. I'm hanging out with like Evander Holyfield. I'm hanging out with like all these like boxing legends. Floyd Mayweather shows up. We get a we hang out for a couple minutes, get a picture. Like, and this is all behind the scenes. Like, there's not a crowd for this. Like, it, this is a WBC event. I think like there was like maybe 50 media that showed up, but then it was just like boxers and me. Yeah, like dude. It was it was like one of the the craziest three days I, I've ever spent. Got some really cool autographs, uh, but uh, but yeah, like th those were just like some of the the crazy things. Now to back up, 
the reason why it was called SolGen Renewables was for this generator. It was a solar generator renewable, right? Like that, that was, it was, it was based off of the solar generator. And so, you know, we had so much confidence in the thing. The biggest mistake that we made though, was that we didn't have product number two in our pockets. Yeah, We came with one product and when that didn't work out, it was like everything we had done, built, talked about was like bridges burned on. And so I think, yeah, I think if we would have come with other products, we, I mean, there was, there's, there's massive products across right. the world. There's projects always going on. They're trying to build, rebuild, build bigger. And we just, we came with a one trick pony that didn't even have a trick. And, and you know, the, the interesting thing, if I could go back and do it over again, like if I was in a position where we had not brought the one product, I wouldn't have just let the relationships burn. Yeah. Right. I would have come back and be like, Hey, guess what? This product doesn't work. We're going to find you another solution, right? But I was still so naive in business and young in business and, and not up, like knowing what I know now, right? Mm -hmm. Seven years later, I would have come back and mended those relationships instead of literally just letting them burn. And by letting them burn, I just walked away and stopped communicating with these people. I'm like, idiots, like, dude, so well connected and we missed out on it. I think what was cool though, too, we realized we're, like if you have a product that can solve that big of a, of a solution or if, if you have issue. a product that can solve that kind of issue, like the ability to go and, and connect with people is easy. Right. You know, everyone comes with a, a product that like, you know, changes things a little bit, but man, if, if you're able to say, Hey, I can, I can change your, your dependency on energy. Like you can go talk to world leaders like that. And that was, that was what we solve rich people's problems, yeah. right? Like you, you can solve rich people's problems. You can get there, but even, even more important, like, yeah, you, you've got to have that is like the belief that you have in it. Right. And so like your level of belief is the biggest limiting factor that's keeping you from networking to the top. And that's really what we learned and, and really what uh, was the springboard and the foundation to soul gen. And so a lot of you guys, a lot of you guys know kind of like the, that that happened and meanwhile we hate living off of savings so we were running some like dealers with installers in the solar world uh daryl and i went in february of 2017 we went and spent a month out in rhode island while cole was still kind of pursuing the magic generator uh just to generate some cash i think we both made six figures in one month uh working just knocking doors it was pretty crazy they had this crazy incentive going on <laughs> Um, that, that was, that was kind of fun. How many, how many dudes did we have piled into that thing? Um, well, well, the first house. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, uh, I think we, had, I think we had like 16 or 17 Jeez. and, and we, so we rent this Airbnb. It literally has like, we're in the second story of a home, right? It's got its own private stairwell. It's got this big open, like finished attic is essentially what it is like it's got you know like a vault like this and there's just like bunk beds lining that and then there's like three bedrooms it's super old it's got this little ghetto kitchen little ghetto living room i still remember watching the super bowl that year uh there we had like got some lobsters, lobsters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's where you go to the grocery store and you just pick out your lobsters fresh lobster right out they we cook it for you right dude took took that thing home but dude we we were out there for like 30 days piled in this group. We're all married dudes. Right. And, uh, still remember just like so many just incredible experiences. It was like a bond that was created from those guys. You know, we had, 
guys that ended up uh, working with us, uh, you know, Robbie Clyde uh, helped uh, found uh, Solgen. Uh, Randy Munoz came on and, and sold with us later. Hayden Crane uh, came. Uh, Johnny Mandolino, who's now part of our group. Like there were so many different uh, just cool uh, cool relationships that we forged out there, you know, being away from your, your spouse in like a foreign land. Cause dude, Rhode Island's a foreign land. Did you want to hear something crazy? My like, so when we started K2K alarms, yeah, that's when my wife had uh live. Yep. And then when I moved to California, like transitions out of alarms, that's when we had our next kid. Then when we start soldier, that's when we have, the next mary wow that's crazy so it's like every time there's like this big transition we were having a kid at the same time yeah yeah it it was always a trying point for our wives right like yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. when i when i was going through bankruptcy it was literally right as we had our third child right like losing everything getting it all same thing with with soldier right as right as we uh, had our last kid uh so it it is it is pretty wild how that that goes that stressful for i mean like i remember coming on and I remember like three babies getting popped out like within like the first <laughs> month. Like cause you had you're having Mary, yeah. you're having and you're in Utah at the time. Yeah. You were having Bruin. Right. Crane was having Madden pretty soon. Like, was that just not like, oh shiz, like we oh, got, this has to work? Or I, I think for us, at least from my perspective, it's just like I mean, that that was life, man. Always put family first and like finances will take care of itself. Like I, I've always been an overly confident person that uh, whatever I'm going to do is going to be successful, you know, and because of that I'm probably high, high in the night. Most people look at me as like some crazy person because of that, but I'm never, I've never been too worried uh, about that. I mean, I think it's uh yeah, I think it's definitely challenging, you know, like my wife, like she's pregnant, you know, at the end of her, her uh, pregnancy and uh, I'm gone a lot. I'm traveling. So yeah, it definitely wasn't easy. Then we have a baby and we're moving, you know, so now we're transitioning and moving while. So to get to get clear on the whole situation, I'm living in Washington state. I had just recently purchased my now home. Uh, We had we had got it from a uh, almost foreclosure. It was about to go to the bank. Uh, The previous owner was selling poppy poppy flowers. I don't know if I've ever told this story on the podcast, but, uh, the previous owner of my house, um, they, uh, they were selling poppies by the pound decorative poppy pods. They were number one on Google. Him and his son were running this operation. They made a million uh, bucks on like three acres of, of selling this stuff. And then they get the house gets seized by the FBI, all this different stuff. Long story short, um, he dies during the trial. His son dies during the trial. Kind of sketchy, to be honest, when you're <laughs> involved in the drug trade. Um, wife gets the house, never worked a day in her life, can't afford the taxes. And so before it actually gets foreclosed on by the state, um, I I come in and buy, buy the house. And so I'm living there, remodeling this house while we're like, working out in uh rhode island i took time off to go out uh to rhode island and then i come back and i continue doing this remodel and we're managing all this stuff we're trying to start soldier later that fall i'm i'm learning facebook marketing buying my first ever course spending 2500 bucks that i probably didn't have uh or not to allocate towards something but investing some of my last dollars into myself um 
so I live in, in Washington and Robbie comes to us and got this bright idea. Like, dude, we should start in Washington. There's this great incentive. We've got all this stuff. And I'm just like, dude, I'm the only one that lives in Washington. Yep. And, and so I'm like, I'll run it. And so we, we make a pack, the four of us, me, Robbie, Daryl and Cole that, you know, we're going to make it work in Washington. Daryl and Robbie are both willing to move at that point. Cole's not. And so like these guys are working remote, I'm launching it. I'm doing interviews in my my tiny office in my house that is missing a closet door where I keep all my guns, uh, you know, and like literally interviewees come in and I'm throwing a blanket over my guns to make sure that. Uh, I mean, it, yeah, so you think about it, right? So like Chris is living up here. We're traveling. I, I can't remember the schedule, but I remember, so I remember we started in November. We're like, okay, by December, we need to have like X amount of sales, right? We didn't even think we'd have installs going in by then. And, uh, and then I remember like thinking like, we don't have a clue how to do these installs. Mm-hmm. And there's just so many things we were, we were trying to solve for, but it's also amazing how everything kind of came together too. Like looking back, it's like, Oh, that worked out so well. Cause I mean, we came from the sales and marketing uh, side of the business. We had never, ever even attempted installs or surveys or anything else. And we're like, dude, we got to hire somebody that knows what they're doing. But, and- but then it was like, we get a call. I get a call from, from Rick Fry. Uh, and he's like, Hey, what are you guys doing? I'm like, well, we're trying to start this solar business. And it worked out. He came up and helped us get things started. And it was like, he called me out of the blue. Um, we had, we had uh, magic generators where we connected. And uh, anyways, that was, that was what helped us get started. And so, you know, he, uh, he had a background at being an electrician. And so he, he started going down that road and we slowly began to figure out the game of like how surveys work, how installs work. Uh, we were showing up to jobs. Daryl and I were, uh, you know, we bought the first couple box trucks that we were, we would go and pick up the equipment and we would take it to the jobs for the guys or, you know, we were the guys running back and forth. So we're doing office work. We're doing, we're taking equipment to, to job sites. We're doing sales in the evening uh, because that was the only way that we were getting paid was a, a commission check. I mean, and, but besides the sales, we didn't know what we were doing. Right. Like we just didn't know we were figuring it out as we go. We had people to help us, but it was like, I can, ad- I can attest to that too, from the early days. Like, I can say in this, I, I'm I hate kissing some butt, but I'm, I'm so good at it right now. Mm. But uh, yeah. like, give I don't that, know if a lot of, kiss. a lot of people like really understand because we've hired so many people over the years mm-hmm. at, at Solge and we've been able to work with so many great people and pe- a lot of, I mean, you're looking at 80% of the people who worked at Solge came from when we were in, we finally moved into our headquarters building they didn't see the fruits of like your guys's labor in the early days. And one of, one of my most distinct memories of like, wow, these guys are down and they're about it. They're not just kind of hands off owners. Like they're in it was there was this really upset customer. Um, and I, cause I know, cause I took the call in the office. <laughs> so I, I have core memories of the early days from this specific. Tell customer. me it's Penny. No, it wasn't Penny Skyman. <laughs> um, but uh, this this customer was upset because we had to trench, do some trenching from like her shop to her home mm-hmm. or some something with her meter. And all of, all of our two crews at the time were doing stuff. And we had promised her we'd get out there. And we, we were dealing with so many issues at that time that we were trying to solve. Because we didn't know what we were doing. I mean, the guy running the office was pretty much me. And I don't and, know what I'm and doing. And Levi's what, 19, 20, 20 years old? 20 years old at the time. 
with a man bun at that time. Like I'm still figuring out my life and I have no idea what interconnection is or like what net metering is. And so I'm trying to my best facilitate these calls. And I'm like, guys, we got to figure something out. Like this customer's upset. We promise like help me help you. And I remember it was Chris and Daryl and Crane. They go out to this customer's house and they backfill this trench for this customer just to make them because she was worried that her dogs were going to fall in this trench and stuff like that. I still I still actually remember the house. I remember the video that we took out there. Yes. I've actually used it on my social media of like, like us out there. These yeah. when when you're hearing these guys like talk about buying the box trucks and driving themselves like I can witness as one of the first employees like there that I that was one of some of my most core memories where I was really bought in because I knew that my ownership team was also out there doing the work with us. I'm just shaking my head thinking about all we had like, what was, what was the number 18 or what was it? 26, 26, 26 to complete. (laughs) Oh, I can see. I still have that paper where we had all of them printed out on this giant piece of paper. We didn't really have a CRM that was really working at all. So this is our first 26 customers and we had issues with every single one of them. Oh yeah. And <laughs> oh, we yeah. had it took us months to get these all done. With- let me let me give you an example of some of these issues. We had a lady by the name of Penny Skymuir. Shout out to Penny if you're watching. Um Penny has three giant oak trees. Hold on, let me start let me let me start this one off. So this one was I remember Chris calling me saying, "Hey, uh so and so's got a customer. He's one of our first customers." So we're excited. Dude. Yeah. He's like it was uh who was the sales guy that used to distribute our leads? What was his name? Um, Jason. 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 Yeah. So let, let me give you even more backstory. Jason calls me and he's like, hey, I got this customer. She's got some huge trees. And, um, you know, she says she will pay cash today. And if anybody knows what cash today means in a new business, <laughs> it, it's, it's like everything. you literally start salivating. <laughs> it, he says she will pay 50% today if we will take down her three oak trees. Massive. Massive. Well, I mean, dude, we're talking like trunks this big, right? And so I'm like, huh, let me, I can't commit to that yet. So then I call up Daryl. And what would so you call me? You're like, hey, we got this deal, but we got three massive oak trees we cut down, and I'm like, okay. and I don't understand what massive means at this moment. No, neither of us. We just know they're 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 oaks. We just know they're trees. They're oak trees. They're big. Accordingly, they're they're supposedly covering the whole south side of our roof. So like, solar won't make sense without it. So we're like immediately like, okay, cool. Let's solve the problem. So we're we're problem solving, and in the way I justify it, I'm like, hey, we want to become. A full-fledged solar installer. We gotta find solutions for everything. We're gonna have to have our own in-house roofing. We're gonna have our own in-house tree removal. We're gonna have to have X, Y, and Z. And it's like, why no better time than today to start removing trees? So I go and take probably half of what we have in our bank account, maybe not quite, maybe 20% of our our bank account. Go down to Griggs uh, hardware store, and I'm like, give me your two best. Saws. Actually, before this this happens, I call up uh, who our lead installer is at the time. His name's Blaze. I'm like, Blaze, dude, do you know anything about cutting down trees? Well, it just so happens I used to work for a tree removal company. What? You used to work for a tree removal company? Dude, you think you can take these things down? Well, let me take a look at it, boss. 
yeah, oh yeah, man, I can get, the, I can get I those mean, down. But he had gear. He had like, he had like stuff to like climb the tree and cut them down. Like he was, he had stuff where I'm like, Phew. he's legit. Problem solved. <laughs> Problem solved. So we tell Jason Dona, uh, we're like, Jason, yeah, dude, sell it. Give us that fifty percent. <laughs> we need that cash. We get the cash. I go down to Griggs. I buy two huge chainsaws, and I'm like, Blaze, do your thing. So. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so that's where, so we had like this first off, we buy this brand new enclosed trailer. Oh yeah. Right. It is, it is $3,500 of most of the dollars that we have. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what we use to like help like transport this wood. That thing gets destroyed. Hold on. Let's back up guys. When we talk bootstrap, we're talking bootstrap. We're, we're talking credit cards, not a lot of cash in the bank, everything like that. So like what that means is like, we didn't buy trucks. We didn't lease trucks. We convinced new employees to use their own trucks, right? So like Blaze has a truck, right, at, at this at this point. And he's like, dude, I'll put a Solgen power sticker on the back. Awesome. Dude, we will pay for your gas. And we're going to provide this sweet $3,500 trailer that we spent every dime to get, right? Like we don't have a box truck. We don't have any of this stuff. Yes. Like this is it. Yeah. And so, so then, so yeah, he cuts these things down. Um, we go out to see the, the, the progress of it. Right. It's like, okay, cool. And then, um, and then he's like done. Right. Bro, when we get there, uh, no, we, we saw when it was like halfway done and we oh, get yeah. there. That's when we realized. I was like, dude, these trees are oh, enormous. Huge. I mean, what in the world did we think we were doing? Blaze cut those things down. Do you realize that? He got them all to the ground. I mean, those are heavy trees. Like, anyways, it was incredible what he did. But lesson learned, we spent, I think, close to $15,000. So this lady's system was forty grand. She had given us twenty grand up front. We spent close to $15,000 repairing her property. Okay, so this is, how, this is how it went. So here she is. Like, she's calling up. She's like, guys, there's, like, all this damage. You guys have ruined my roof. There's furniture that's been destroyed. My fencing's been destroyed. My um, my gates. Um, We're like, man, you're being a little dramatic. Come yes, on. she was being a little dramatic, we thought. <laughs> so she was calling the office constantly, right? She was pretty pissed, pretty upset, rightfully so. Hence why we still know her name, because we've literally had like 20,000 customers, and we know this one. So finally, I'm like, you know what? I've got to solve this problem. It was just too hairy. So I go out there and I'm like, all right, let's make a list. If I can take care of everything on this list, then we're good, right? Because we still wanted to get paid. Oh, yeah. She still owed us the last $20,000 and she was holding that back. Yeah. Right. And we had already invested in equipment, saws, removal. We had already done some repairs, but we still needed to finish off this list just to get our last check. So I went, I sat down with her. I said, let's go through this list. You know, I started to realize how much damage we had actually done. I mean, there was quite a bit. And so, we made this list and I said, okay, I need to know that if I can, if I can take care of this list to your satisfaction, that we are good. There's nothing else that's going to be added. Like we are good. And so we signed off on, it. I remember having her sign that piece of paper and then I just went to work. I, I built, I remember doing a fence. Shop. Yeah. I had to build. So she had these, these um, gates and she had, uh, she had four wooden gates, or she had three wooden gates. They're all identical. We Two had of to, them got destroyed. We had to match it. <laughs> so then I made, I made four because the first one sucked, but I ended up making them uh, in the shop. Because <laughs> of course we can't hire this crap out, no. dude. Like we. <laughs> so I made those. Then I like had to rebuild like half of her shop, paint the shop. 
Then I had to rebuild, like we had someone else do it, but we had to fix the roofing. Then we had to like, there was just a list of things. And, and honestly, like I really appreciate her after the fact, cause like realizing what she went through and the fact that she was able to work with us to, to get it done. But because we didn't know what we were doing, man, we, we caused a, there's a lot of, a lot of challenges, but you know, it showed early on, like we were, we were committed to taking care of our customers. Like we loved our customers, even though she was a giant pain in our butt. I would have probably been the same way if I was a Anybody customer. Anybody would have been the right? same Anybody. Way. And, and we, she also taught us to say no to things, yeah. right? Like then on, we're like, no more tree removal. <laughs> if we're going to do tree removal, it's always done through a third party that they're going to take the total, like the, they're, they're going to take the total liability. This isn't on us. Soljin is not a tree removal company. But, but I can still remember when I went to the bank to meet her to get the final check, I remember like saying goodbye to a friend. It was like, <laughs> I had talked to her so many times. It was like, well, we probably won't see each other very uh, often anymore, but. And, you know, idea. you know, here we are six years later talking about her on a podcast. It's, yeah. it, it's amazing, like how life happens, but you know, there, there's just like, and you know, the early days were full of all kinds of crazy mistakes like that, you know, because we didn't know what we were doing. We got, you know, backed into a million dollar fine uh, that was coming in from the state because one of the agencies was telling us that it was okay to do electrical this one way. And then the same agency, but from a different location was telling it it wasn't. And so all of a sudden we're in a heart rock and a hard place. They're coming after us. It was like $5,000 for every proposal that we had generated. It was, it was pretty nuts. And I remember like the level of anxiety, both Daryl and I were feeling at this time. Incredible. I've never had hot flashes. <laughs> I literally experienced no hot flashes where I would be like, my body would just like, it's just like, I'm like on fire. I'm like, like, dude, a million dollars, a million dollars might've been a, might as well have been a billion dollars. But, but this is where I'm at. Like I'm in Utah. I've been traveling, right. We're on credit cards, paying for stuff. I'm like ready to move the family. And then it's like, they shut us down. Right. Like we're talking to hard stop. You guys show up to another job site. We will remove every license and never let you get it. Ever and they again. would like follow us around with trucks oh, and dude, they were hunting us. They were hunting us. So we're remember. shut down. <laughs> we know they're after us. Like we feel like we're being hunted and we have our employees that we're still paying because we got to keep them active, but there's no job, no income coming in. It was like, it was just one of those times I'm like, my mind's about to explode. I do not understand how we're going to get through this. And when we talk hunting, like we're literally talking about guys going and asking people to perch on their roofs so they can look at us from two to three blocks away with binoculars to see how we're doing this thing. I mean, it, it, like you're dealing with Gustavo whenever you're breaking into a new industry, right? You got a lot of, it's a good old boys club. People don't want to see you successful, especially when you're young, dumb and hungry. You're coming in, you're blowing things up with online marketing that nobody's doing, right? You're doing all these things. So all these like small, small mom and pop electricians, small mom and pop solar companies are like, we got to get these guys out of business. They are coming in. These guys are out of towners. You know, I remember all the, all the uh, different uh, things that were floating around about us. Like these guys are from out of state. They're from California. They're from this, that, and they're like, dude, I grew up in Connell. Get off me. Like <laughs> this is my hometown as much as it is yours and probably lived here longer. And, uh, and so like, it, it was this crazy thing. We get slapped with this fine. And I remember we sat down with this guy over, uh, over at a uh, HVAC company. And, and he said, guys, just relax, like chill. Like everything's going to be okay. 
I'm going to help you. Like, so he helped us get through this. And, and this was another time where I just, I was quickly reminded like the power of a mentor, the power of somebody that's been through it. Yeah. Right. And that's like the reason why, like our founder acceleration program that we do is like so uh, important is like we've been through things and we can tell people that are going through things like calm down. This is the clear path forward. That's what this guy did for us. Like it was it was straight up like, hey, look, you can use my license for the next couple of weeks. It's going to be painful. You're going to pay me a bunch of money. Um, but you're going to be able to get through this. This is how you negotiate with LNI. It's labors and industries in the state of Washington. This is what you can do. You're going to reduce the fine. It's not going to be a million bucks. I just remember sitting down in his office and like just this calm came over me. I don't know if you remember this no, experience. I, I mean, I, I had that experience and it was like one of the best lessons I ever learned because you hear people like, what keeps you up at night? I'm like, nothing keeps me up at night. And everyone's like, well, if nothing keeps you up at night, like, I don't know. I, I heard someone say something like that on your podcast. I'm thinking... I remember going through this experience where like it was so stressful and it was so like taxing on me mentally, emotionally. I remember my wife, like I couldn't even talk to my wife. I just like didn't know what to say. And I, and then afterwards I'm like, I'm the biggest idiot. Like, like I just worked myself up for nothing. Like we survived, we Mm -hmm. lived another day and it's like, we create these big monsters and they just, they tax the heck out of us. And Mm -hmm. I don't like taxes. You know, I'm like, there's no reason to like put that pressure on yourself. And so I realized like, I'm going to wake up every day with my, put my boots on. And I'm going to go to work. I'm going to figure out and solve problems, but I'm not going to carry that with me when I don't need to. I, I think it's really the power of like living in the moment, yeah. right? Like, let me just take this thing one bite at a time because I'm going to keep biting, right? Like the, the sun's going to come up tomorrow. There's no reason like overemphasizing what good is going to happen tomorrow or overemphasizing what bad is going to happen tomorrow. And same in the past, right? Like the past is the past. I can't change it. I can, I can control this next bite, this next step, this next breath, right? Like, and and that's where, when I get like really in the moment, that's when I enjoy life and I experience less anxiety, less stress. So so what's interesting is I used to like, I used to have this like mechanism I'd say, where I was like, I would try to avoid confrontation or things that I knew like, could be uglier or I don't know what, whatever I'd create there. And then after that experience and maybe a few others, I just decided, you know what? Like, I just want to get deep into whatever it is. And so now like one of the things I do, if I ever hear like a rumor about someone, like, Oh yeah, you're like Levi's doing this, 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 like, and usually they're like something negative. I'll just go ask like Levi, are you doing this? Like get it out of my way. Like it's either true or it's not true. And I'll just hear from the source and I move on. Cause there really is nothing worse than like dwelling on something and like it, literally creates like a physical pressure in your brain and it hurts and it it like stresses you out. And like, it's interesting because when something like that happens and then I forget like what caused me to be in that mood later in the day and I'm feeling, I'm like, dude, what put me in this state of mind? And I have to like go and root it out and like deal with it like in the moment so that I can like move on. It's, it's, which is, which is interesting because like, how do you, how do you share that with somebody? Like, how do you teach that? Like, do you have to experience that in order to learn that lesson? Or is there a way to like, Hey, don't stress out. Like, how do you do that? I don't, I don't think you can teach someone that I, I, yeah, I think mentor I, through it, but I don't think yeah. you can like teach it without. Yeah. Go, going through an experience is definitely, I think there's two ways to learn a lesson, go through an experience. It, like you got to pay for it with time, energy, or money, right? Like you can pay to go to learn these things. It, it, it's learned a little bit differently, but, yeah. but it can be learned. Right. Or you got to put the energy in it, or you got to experience the actual time going through it. And but, so, but I think for me, like having someone there, 
Cause I even remember your brother, I like, mm. just like, calm down guys. And, and then, and then Kyle as well. And it's like having people there to like, just kind of remind you of where you need to be. And yeah, that, that's definitely been very helpful. So it's, it's interesting. Like it's crazy. And I think a lot of people can relate that are business owners that are listening to this of how stressful it is to bootstrap and to get something off the ground, especially with it's not even just like a, a small business, like this is a business business, you know, mm-hmm. I don't even know if that makes sense to people, but like you're building, you, you're paying payroll already pretty quick into the business. Right. This, Some, this wasn't a solopreneur. Adventure. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. It's not just me creating a cookbook and selling. It's like you got people counting on you from an employee perspective. I have distinct memories of just observing like third party, not really knowing you guys very well at that time. Like even up to like the first year, like a lot of that year was just so crazy. There's so many <laughs> things and deadlines we had to hit. And I, you guys talking about the million dollar fine. I remember watching you guys come in after the, some of those meetings. Cause if I, it was like multiple meetings you guys had. To oh yeah. Through. Yeah. We had to, like, we had to go through like negotiations and then like, like a court hearing that was like over the phone was we had to provide evidence of things that we were doing and then like negotiate it down. Yeah. And like just hearing you guys come in and at that point, you know, four to six to eight months in the business, like I don't have the relationship at that time with you guys that I do now. So I didn't have as much to contribute, but from employee house, stressful made me <laughs> because it's a new business. We're still working in our owner's garage. And I got these guys coming in that I barely know that promised me, you know, the world of the future. And uh, they're coming in stressing out. I'm hearing them talk because we only had one room. It's not like you could have a private conversation. I'm minding my business, making proposals. And how much <laughs> that stressed me out. You're like, oh, well, shoot, this L&I thing, like... Uh, like you know, it's stressing me out too. I got a million dollar um, fine on. on so so actually, before you jump in, Daryl, tell me. So this was causing you stress, but you also talked about like the vision we were painting. Like, how was that? Like, how much did you believe in what we were doing? So I had. It's a great question. I get. I've gotten asked that before with like other employees because I think what is I I've been a part of a few other startups before, so I had some experience. I would consider myself relatively entrepreneurial too. Like I love like creating and, you know, not working for the man or whatever. When I joined and you're pitching me about solar, I had, I grew up in Missouri where solar at that time was a figment of imagination. Like it wasn't a real thing. I am also coming back from a couple other failed, you know, personal sales ventures, entrepreneurial ventures. I'm beaten up at this point. And when you're painting this picture of vision, it was, I was really hesitant because I had already done that to myself personally so many times. I'm like, oh, it's just going to be another failed one. Personally, when I signed up, when I was like, all right, let's do this. I was like, this, they got three months. That's sure. how it always ends up. It's three months and you're out. So what kept you around? What I hate saying is how good, especially you, but our whole leadership team was at painting vision. Like there was something special. I think anybody who's worked at Soljin at some point, whether they had a great experience or not, at some point they probably had belief. Because especially in the first, I would even say three years, we're still fighting a lot of battles. Like we didn't even get out of the garage for two to almost it was three two and years. a half. Yeah. yeah. And to even convince somebody to come work in a garage yeah. is hard. And so I think like for me, what kept me going was it would be like we called it the solar coaster, you know, like 
I'd be, I'd see the vision. And for three months, I'd be like, yep, I get it. I'm seeing the vision. The incentives are good. And then three months in, well, shoot, the federal tax incentive might go away. What do we do? How do we pivot? Or the state incentive is going away. Crap, we don't even million have million dollar fine. There was always something where I'm like, well, I probably should keep my options open. But then <laughs> there would be a conversation or like we'd have an office meeting and or Daryl would come back from a Tony Robbins event or something. <laughs> something would happen where we have a conversation and they were always very honest and very humble to the point where like, hey, look, this is just how it is, guys. If you want to stay great. I promise if this works out, we'll take care of you. And if you don't, I don't blame you. And I think that transparency for me of, you know what, we don't expect you to be here forever. And I think that bled through from you guys to me and what other like mid-level leadership was able to bleed into their employees and stuff. There was a, it's it's true. There was a book I read. I can't remember the book. It had, it was like a guy with a military background, I want to say, but anyways, it was, it was about business and how like your employees, like are going to change jobs. And even if that's changed jobs inside your company, like they're going to change, they want to grow. And it's like, you've got to help understand like, where do your employees want to go? And can you get them there? Whether that's in your company or outside your company. And I remember thinking like, man, that's such a real conversation. It's like, what do you want to become? You know? And it's like, okay, if I can't get you there in my company, I'll get you there in someone else's company Mm -hmm. to get there though. You've got to develop these skills. And then all of a sudden, you know, now you're bought into developing these skills in my business, which brings me value. And I'm willing to help you develop those skills so that you can then move up to where you want to go, whether that's in my company, outside the company. So now we have a real relationship, a real conversation around what you're in it for and what I'm in it for. Yeah. So, I mean, which, which goes to actually, uh, in the culture guide that we sell for 29 bucks on my Instagram, uh, it, it talks about like a culture of transparency and a culture of trust. Like ultimately employment is purely a, a, uh, a balance of trust, right? You, we've got to eliminate this culture of like a slavery mindset where like I own you as, mm-hmm. as an employee and you have to be loyal to me, right? Like this is family. This is it. Like, no, like at the, at the end of the day, like if, if I'm not earning your trust as the employer, right. Or vice versa, then we've got to end the relationship. And really when you operate from that level of like, I've got to continue to provide opportunity and value for an employee and vice versa. They got to be paid in money, in culture, in opportunity and everything else. And that continues to be an equitable trade. Yeah. Right. Like people will stay loyal. Like yeah. they, then, then you actually create real trust and, 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 and eliminate this, this whole like ownership. And, and the, the beauty of it is like, because of it, we never really lost any star players. Yeah. Like trust is, I think is the core word that sticks out to me with, with what you just said. Cause I think it goes both ways. Like obviously from an employee perspective, I have to be able to trust my leadership that they're going to take care of me. They're going to lead me down to the promised land, you know, whatever. But what you're kind of to speak on what you're saying about trusting both ways, like for whatever reason, you guys trusted me. Like I'm, I'm a child. I'm a baby. I was 20 years old, three months into the business. And I remember exactly how my career progression started was my first role at soldier was to make proposals. That was pretty, that was the only thing really I had put on my resume that I had a social media and marketing background, which, which is true. And I remember in our interview, Chris was like, Hey, we're going to start you at proposals, but it seems like you're passionate about 
marketing, social media and whatnot, we're going to eventually get you there because Chris is like, I'm doing it all right now, but I'm going to have to pass the torch off at some point. I was like, cool. So I had some career progression. I'm like, I understand if I kind of suck it up for a while, I just do a good job. I can eventually get to something more I'm more passionate about. So I was like, all right, I'm going to just be the best proposal designer I can be. And I I was. I mean, to this day, I will die on this hill that I was, and I still mm. am. And, we, was, and you know, it's funny. Whenever we got in like a, a pickle, it would be like, bring in the Southpaw. <laughs> yeah. Levi, I know you're running this whole division, but we are backed up on proposals. Well, Dude, get yeah, we need you and to I, do another four I've hours to tonight. That too many times. But, like, I remember, like, I'd always compete with – we had several other proposal designers that would come in and out, and I would always be like, it was a pride thing that I was like, nope, I was our first full-time proposal designer. I refused to not still be the best. Mm. But that was that was my job. And a couple months into the business, and I would always clear the queue every day. There was never a doubt that the queue wasn't cleared when I was doing it, that it freed up time for me. And Jake Ellsworth walked in, and it was just me and one of our other employees um, back at the time. He was like, I need help with something. And I won't get into the politics of the situation, but Becca looked at me and I was like, I'll do it. Cause I knew at that point, nobody else was going to, and it was to help figure out inspections for L and I. And I was like, I don't know what L and I is. I just barely moved to Washington. What is an inspection? What is electrical? Like what is any of this? I know proposals and that I've figured that piece out and kind of helped bring some value there. And it just compounded where they're like, well, he figured this out. So I guess we'll dump on interconnection. I remember that conversation. I'm filling out electrical permits and inspections and you, Daryl, Rick, Jake crane all walk in. It's just me in there. And you're like, all right, we're buying brew cheese for everybody. Brew cheese. Levi, you need to help us figure out interconnection. And I was like, what's interconnection. You guys were like, (laughs) You don't really know either. We're going to figure this all out together. And I'm calling these utility companies. I'm like, yes, I'm Levi. I'm an engineer here. Like, you know, I need to figure out your interconnection process. What's interconnection? I'm like holding the mute button. I'm like, guys, I don't know what they're talking about with freaking 240 volt, you know, 400 milliamp panels and like what's going on here. So anyways, that compounded over time to where like, I never felt like you guys didn't trust me to get something done. And I think that's so important from an ownership to an employee or leadership or management that I felt like I belonged. I felt like I brought value. And that's a huge key reason to like why I stayed for so long and why I enjoyed my time. I mean, if you, if you want to know the truth, we didn't have an option. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think one of the things that we realized, right. There's, there's like three directions anyone goes, right. You either grow, you grow with the business, um, the business outgrows you or you outgrow the business, mm-hmm. right? When you outgrow the business, like you're, you're looking for another job, right? That could be you outgrow the culture, you outgrow the, the position, you outgrow the pay or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, what we realized, we saw a lot of is people like you growing with the business where it was like, we don't know the next step. Can you help us figure it out? And we had so many people like that's, that's where you really like connect with people and, and you start to build trust because you're like, okay, I, I can see how this person reacts in a situation that they have no clue. Mm-hmm. right it's when you have no clue and you have to figure things out like you start to see like true colors of people and that was one of the things we saw with you i mean we moved you around a lot so many times mm-hmm. I, I think that's a good point too it it i i worked like my first official job when i turned 16 i was a cook at bob evans mm, and if right. you know about bob evans man bob evans is a midwest staple um 
it's just like a restaurant. So I was a cook there when I turned 16. That was my first like official like legal job or whatever. And they pitch you on like this vision of, okay, over time, you'll eventually be the top chef in 10 years or whatever at, at the restaurant. Like this expectation of we want you here forever, like you were saying, like this undying loyalty that wasn't ever earned for whatever right. reason. But you guys were always very clear with me and other people like we want to teach you whatever and you get out and you go chase your dreams. And it was always really hard because my position had changed so many times. With any startup, it's like that. And from an employee perspective, like if you're a part of a startup, you just have to kind of swallow that pill and realize like if this is where you want to be, you believe in the vision, you have to be okay with it even if you don't want to. And over time, like I thought I was going to be VP of operations and this was my path. And three months that changed, you know, then I was in sales and I moved over here and by the end of my soldier career, I'd eventually moved on to what Chris had originally mm. promised me. Visionary baby. Let's years go. down the road. It came true where I was able to find a home in marketing where I thought I was able to really excel, bring a lot of value and kind of fit into, into my niche. But it was, it goes back to you guys were able to trust me and trust of other trust of others of many other key players that were at Soldier yeah. um, that found a lot of success. Love it. Dude, what what are some of you guys' uh like biggest core memories? Like uh, I have different things written down here, like uh, you know, the spike ball that we that we would play on a regular basis, or what, what, even what like the, the Christmas parties. <laughs> that oh. is there's some controversy over that. There that is some controversy. Championship. We the actual winners of the championship. Hey, bro, let's go. Come on. Mm. Or Chris Let's go. Actual winners. That's actual, actual winners. Daryl likes to make up rules when he plays. That's what, uh, yeah. And like, he literally will make up rules like, oh, we're playing best <laughs> of five. I know you beat us best of three, but I forgot Let's just say, five. if you believe in losers brackets, you're a loser. Man, you guys sound like Seahawks fans over here. <laughs> <laughs> in, in, what, in what real sport is there a loser bracket? Never. Never. One of my, one of my, no idea what you guys are talking about. Like, <laughs> we won the championship. You came through the losers' brackets, so just, and then that's how we played. It's cool. Oh, it's cool. so the fact that you lost to us. Well, you shouldn't have been there because you lost first. No, but off, uh, yeah. off spike ball. So we we used to <laughs> we used to play all kinds of spike ball. Like it got like uncomfortably like distracting um, from a standpoint of like sometimes the installers would show up after a job and we'd be up all the whole office would be playing spike ball. Um, but yeah, my wife got tired of it because we had like worn rings in the yard of where we would just go. And there would just be a constant flow of like four people out of the office. But it's also part of like the culture that we created of like, do your work, have some fun, do your work. Yep. Right. Well, and and so like, you know, there, there was stuff, there was stuff like that was awesome. I mean, for me, it's like the potluck parties, the Christmas parties going through COVID. Like there, there's so many Christmas just, parties were fun. So fun. Uh, moving out of the garage. Mm. That was a core memory. Dude, these fetchers like, <laughs> okay. So I'm in Paris. I'm, I'm speaking at an international entrepreneur event. It was pretty cool. And I got me and my wife and like at this point, we're two and a half years in, in the garage. We had bought land to build our national headquarters, I think eight months into the business. So yeah, we, we had already, we already had like engineered plans. We were still working on kind of finalizing stuff, but we knew that it wasn't, 
you, I, I think we'd already broken ground at this point. Yeah, we had because yeah. because the build for the headquarters took about a year and a half. Yeah. And, and so we had already built we already broken ground and everything. And so we were trying to squeeze out every last day we put, potentially could in, in the headquarters, at least. So I thought and and it was extremely hard to find a short term lease. So I'm off in Paris having a good time speaking. I'm gone for like five days. Meanwhile, these fetchers go and negotiate a lease. and and start moving out while i'm gone and like it it was a pretty quick turnaround too if i remember when you guys started kind of shopping around a little bit no let me let me explain the 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 perspective over here so it's a different perspective than mine for sure so chris if we could spend the night every night and then stay and work chris would have it like chris wants to party and work to never stop yeah it's true and so like i mean everyone should have a bed at the office and so like i just like are the buildings just getting packed with people and then i walk in and they're talking about putting together a um or buying like um mobile homes or or like oh yeah we were gonna do like a single wide in the parking lot of my house oh my gosh yeah so so that we had more space the minute i heard that i'm like i'm done with this like (laughs) i'm not i'm not standing for this anymore This, this is ridiculous and the story that I kept getting told was like, we can't find short-term leasing. And I'm like, dude, all right, I'm looking, I'm going to find a spot. And that was the case for, for a long time. Well, I found one pretty quickly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I didn't know what they were looking for, but what was actually really cool was, you know, we had, what's really cool is looking at some of the spots we looked at, mm-hmm. right? We always yeah. drive by these buildings. Like, remember, we thought we could fit in that. Mm-hmm. And uh, we ended up finding, I found a spot that we could move into and it worked perfectly with like us um, having to move out in a few months or like in nine months or something. And initially, so it had a upstairs and downstairs. It was 8,000 square feet upstairs, 8,000 down. Initially we leased upstairs and then for the last few months we we did both. both. So it was, it was, it was such a great setup. I think we ended up like we signed an eleven month lease. Ended up being there thirteen months. So Chris, you can thank me because that's that allows. No, it was it was it was so a good quick. it was a good thing. Like the the reality was is I was just like emotionally attached to the garage, right? Like um, I had I had I was infatuated with the idea of like Apple built out of a garage, Google built out of a garage, and and frankly, it was just great walking across the street to see my wife in any moment of the day. <laughs> Um, but, uh, but yeah, we ended up moving out of the garage and it was like one of my two most depressing points in my life, like where it was just like, I didn't even want to go in the garage anymore. Like I, I, there was a year span that I, I didn't step inside the garage at my, at my own house. Um, because like it, it, it would, it would, it would cause for like uh tears to well up in my eyes just uh just like all the memories that that we had created there and and uh and so it was like it was like a a mother giving birth and and like it, it was gone and my baby that that uh that i had like sacrificed so many years for and so many nights and weekends of my life and like because i i would be out there you know 12 hours a day. And, uh, so yeah, it was, it was, it was tough. It was, it was an emotional time for me. But here's what's, here's what's cool though. Right. If you think of like how things play out, right. So we, we, we're still in the garage and that's when we started to build the sales floor. Mm -hmm. Right. And then we move. I'm trying to think, when did we move? What month was that? It was February. Yeah. February, February. And then COVID happened right after that. Oh, it didn't. A year later. 
Was it a year later? Yeah, no, a year later. It was a year later. No, it was that. Oh no, no, no! It was a month later. You're right. You're right. My bad. So we started the call center. Yep. We moved in a spot. Sales floor. It's not a call center. Sales floor. Sorry. And then COVID, <laughs> COVID happened, right? And what was crazy about COVID was the the all the changes, yeah. all the changes with the sales floor, and how fast that blew up, right? And we just had the space for it. And right. It was like immediately we started. Just no, it was it was divine. It was, it was for sure by divine for, nature. For perspective, for those to understand the real growth of physically why we had to move, we started like we've you heard four hundred square feet concrete. One room, we had a utility closet that had a fridge in it, and that was our office. From there, we eventually, in the shop, had like kind of two other hubs in the shop. It was like it was like two open bays yeah. that were studs and everything, nothing finished. So one, finally, after you know six months or so down the road, we're like, okay, we got to expand out. Maybe we should put some carpet in here, you know, stuff like that. We turned the utility utility closet into a. A conference room and then we now we had a place to do interviews now we yeah a real place and then we turned in the bay right next to it to additional office space Oof. and, and we i think like, we got up to like 22 people between those two and spots. we were like dude this is crazy that was Luxury. the first time we had felt like i think real growth it was like tangible at that point that we were growing i think i think what's cool about the garage was just how like we had a spot i mean that's mm-hmm. that's not your normal garage right i like, was like we were able to start with this one small office space, expand into another, expand into another. And we just like kept building. Yeah, it was interesting. So the shop is 3,500 square feet. 400 of it was finished-ish. It had cement floor with drywall. Um, uh, eventually, we finished off all 3,500 and we did a little addition. Um, and if any LNI people are watching, it was permitted. <laughs> um, we, we, did a, we did an addition uh, that, uh, had two little bathrooms in a kitchen, right? Like that was the only expansion we made to the garage. When I tell you guys that we didn't have any bathrooms, any place to put our food, we were going into Chris's personal home to use the restroom. The day we had a, our own bathroom in the office, in the kitchen in there, we thought we made it. That was a year and a half in, right? Yes. So literally for the first year and a half, and especially like the last six to 12 months, it was a constant stream of employees just walking over. My wife, a saint. We had, so then finally we finish out the next bay and then uh, the kind of like back garage part. So it was fully finished at this point in February of 2020. And we had over 50 people in that place. And it was tight. We just started our sales uh, floor is loud in there. You can't take any customer calls because it's so loud. You can't take any, you know, sales calls because it's so loud. We can't have interviews because I mean, because it's all so tight together that it was a it was a need we had to get out of there some point. Yeah, I remember I remember thinking like Chris is I was like, I could just see you guys building like putting trailers in and then <laughs> adding on to that. Like I, all I saw is this like massive compound just like, like Legos on Legos. Of but, but here's the craziest thing. So me and my wife, we were actually out by the shop in our car last night and my phone connected to the shop internet and it was being slow. And I look at her last night and I'm like, babe, can you believe that this internet supported 53 computers and 53 cell phones and a full virtual video sales floor. Like how, like, dude, that is divine intervention. Like, I don't know whatever else miracle in our whole company. It it really is like, dude, that was God looking down and like, I'm going to give you more bandwidth because this $40 a month 
residential internet that you're getting through some ghetto satellite thing from the neighbor like, from the neighbor <laughs> like yeah. like dude that there's no other explanation than god like i, I, I don't and know we are in such deep pasco like farm fields no if you the moment you stepped outside the shop no internet no calls no nothing um it was crazy uh, it really really is wild like you think you think about all that um man i mean just so many men best memories like some of my favorite memories were like you know we, we as we slowly engineered the the uh the picture of the new building right we'd post it on the wall and be like <laughs> hey this is what we got to look forward to i remember it's sitting above six levi's six months desk. six months that's what we'd always say it'd always be six months away um but eventually I, we got there we finally got there i have a a pretty funny core memory memories uh all of our years that I could remember um, up until maybe like our last year or two, we had always had city league sports that we would sign up for. Mm. And we'd always joke that. What, what, the, yeah. What, what was what I, what did I always tell the people? Chris would always say that the only reason we started a company is so we could recruit for our city league sports, that we'd sign up, flag football, softball and stuff. Let's, and and we our, were good. And our, our first year we weren't. <laughs> We were so bad. Well, it's because and, we had to recruit installers. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but I, I do remember, I think one of my favorite memories of when I think I actually earned probably Daryl's respect was, I can't remember if it was the first season or the second season. I think it was the first, but uh, we were like, okay, we had done these practices for flag football and all this stuff. We had done workouts together. Like we're ready mm. to go. Mm. And in one of the games, uh, uh, at Robbie, I think, was playing quarterback, so it would have been our first or second year. He would throw it to you. He would dump the, mm -hmm. the ball out to you, and you kept throwing it to me. And the throws were either too short or like not oh, quite easy, there. easy. No, no, no. They, this easy. I got to tell how it is because uh, that the play just won't work out ever. And I remember at one point I had I was so fed up because we were getting smoked that game. I was so fed up with the extra pass. I was like, Chris, you got to oh. stop throwing me the ball. And Chris was yelling back. It, it works. What else am I supposed to do here in this moment? And me and Chris are kind of like yelling at each other, like in that, in a couple of those moments. And then we end up losing the game, I think. Um, and the other team was like clapping. They're like, oh yeah, they're fighting with each other, whatever. And then we had lost and it was no big deal. And then. I'm driving home to go back home and Daryl calls me on the way home and he's like, he's like, dude, good game out there. I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, no, when you yelled at Chris, that was dope. He's like, most people are scared to yell at Chris or like tell him how it is. And you're a 20 year old kid. and You yelled at Chris for, for making those. So he's like, that's respect. Good work. He's like, that was awesome. I think you just, he stood up for yourself. Cause I was like, I was getting so tired of like, even, even Robbie, like Robbie's like a phenomenal quarterback in high school. But he needs like a, a line. He's a pocket, you know, like <laughs> receivers. Like we're playing scrap, you know. That's yeah. not like scrap is like you're just running around with your head cut off and you're trying to like make a play, you know. And so I, I remember it was just like it was fun, dude. It was, those <laughs> those were so times. fun. Those games were so much fun together. Dude, so many good memories. You know, I, I think about like some of like the pivots and that that made Soldier great. Like November. November or sorry, October, 2019. I still remember I give, I give a uh, Matt priest a call. I'm like, Matt, I got this great idea. We need to create a virtual sales floor. We had somewhat talked about it. I'm like, dude, no, we need to go all in on this. Like I'll go recruit my brother. I'll go get, bring some people in. Let, let's do this. November, 2019, we launched the sales floor. 
you know, four months later, COVID hits, like that's divine intervention. Yeah. The, the fact that by that point, we had already built like a sales floor of 20 guys in, in yeah. a matter of like four months. And the other, the other interesting thing is that the same year, December of that same year, Matt comes to us. Matt's involved in a lot of divine intervention. The guy needs to listen to spirit more, I guess. <laughs> but uh, uh, he comes, he comes to us. He's like, guys, um, I, I know this is probably not anything big. I remember we're sitting in the conference room in the shop and he's like, I know this is probably nothing, but there's like this disease that's happening over in China right now. This is December, 2019, like COVID-19 is called because it actually started in 2019 that nobody knows about, right? Like the didn't hit the U S until March, 2020. Matt comes to us in December and he's like, it's probably nothing, but it might impact the way that we're importing product. Well, shipping, right? Because you have the Chinese New Year's and then right. you have this. So he was like trying to like figure out like, what do we got to do? Right. He's like, he's like, I think we should actually stock up on panels. We're like what? He's like, yeah, like let's spend like three quarters of what we have in our bank account to bring in more panels. We're like, dude, that doesn't make sense. But dude, if you feel inspired, let's do it. Dude, we do it. And we get three to four months ahead of every single other person in in this whole supply chain. And if you guys remember, supply chain during COVID, crazy, disastrous. Like ships weren't shipping, containers weren't like there was no available containers. Ports were shutting down. Those four months saved us so much in the middle of COVID of actually being able to get panels on the roof for most companies in the solar space were not able to participate. Well, we had two things, right? The call center, which you mentioned in, in like inventory. Whoa, 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 what? The sales floor. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> like the, the thing, the thing is crazy is like the timing on both of those were so. Divine at, intervention. Yeah, looking back, you couldn't have done it a, a different time, better time. It, and it's just like miracle after miracle happened in our business. And, you know, some could say it was God. Some could say it was luck. Some could say a bunch of different things. And, like, the, the reality is God is involved. Uh, when you're when you're looking for success, you're constantly looking for that red car, you're going to find it. You know, and, and so, like, for us, we'd gone through so many different things in our lives of failure after failure after failure that, like, different things as they lined up. Like it was because we tried so many things because we, and then, you know, and I mean, it was one of the wildest experiences and we can go into deep and I think we should probably kick this to another episode, but cause we've, uh, we're, we're a lot deeper <laughs> in this episode than most, but guys like, it, um, pleasure like thanks. Thanks Levi for giving us your perspective, man, for, for the years that you, you, uh, you know, worked your butt off over at Soul Gen. It was, it's been a lot of fun. I'm super excited for you to be a part of the new venture. That's dope. I'm excited too. Uh, so Levi, Levi is coming in as a, as an equity partner in the founder project, which is pretty awesome. I mean, this guy is scrappy. He knows his stuff. Um, for those of you guys that haven't dove deep into what the founder project is, we run a, what's called founder acceleration three times, a three times a month the first second and third Tuesday of every month, we get together with entrepreneurs. We do hot seat. We do consulting. We share experiences. We bring in outside guests. This last uh, one, we had Richard Parker on, who's a uh, direct consultant for the Ray Dalio family. Like, I mean, we're talking 
top, 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 top tier for 500 bucks a month. You can't get a cheaper consulting group out there. Um, also, we do masterminds in the very back end. We do consult for equity. So if anybody is is looking to bring on top tier consultants, uh, most of our focus is in the home service, home product uh, space. So um, go ahead and to my link tree on Instagram. You can uh, find more in there. Um, but guys, appreciate your time. Thanks for being a part of it. Until next time. Um...